Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome. Episode 62 of the No Look Past podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who is officially announcing that I am entering the dunk contest, and basically anybody can do it now. And my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? I just want to give a quick shout-out to the Washington Wizards. 9-1 uh, and one in their last 10 games, jumped up to that third spot, and they are currently threatening the Eastern Conference a little bit. Yeah, and dressing for all black for funerals is, is just a great touch. Uh, shout out to the Wizards. So we are going to get into our show as usual. We were going to go with while you were watching TNT. We had a, a long stretch, actually, with the with the Utah Jazz, almost two weeks. And then we're going to go into the uh, Serge Ibaka trade, what, kind of what we think about it. Andy is obviously an Orlando Magic fan, so I'm sure he has some wonderful opinions about his, his front office work there in Orlando. And then we're just going to preview All-Star Weekend for you, see what's going on, what we're looking forward to, who we think is going to win each thing, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. But first, uh, while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Utah Jazz. A 4-3 and three stretch, Andy, wins versus Charlotte at Atlanta, at New Orleans versus Portland, losses at Dallas versus Boston at home, and versus the Clippers, which was a very ugly game. They barely hit 70. Uh, what did you think of the Utah Jazz here? You know, I – they're about where I figured they were. That loss to Dallas is kind of unacceptable. It, oh, that one was overtime. Um, the loss to Boston, I get. Even the loss to the Clippers right. to an extent, but you got to score more than 72 points. Um, you know, I, I do like this team. I think they need a lot more from their bench. Um, obviously, Rodney Hood not being on the roster at this moment is, is hurting them. They need him. Uh, Alec Burks hasn't really panned out too much. Dante Axon hasn't really panned out too much. You know, they had some of these nice guys like Hayward and, and Rudy Gobert to build around, and then they have a lot of these other guys who you kind of expect to give you enough. But, I mean, their bench is down in, like, the bottom five this season. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. They're down in the bottom five while we watch them. They're at about, gotcha. what did I see, 13th, or not 13th, I'm sorry, 23rd in the league in, in bench scoring. And I think, you so know, they, with, guys, with guys like Joe Johnson there and, you know, Burks, who I, I know the, the Utah faithful have loved him for a few years, you know, you expect a little more. But I, I think George Hill, your boy, the guy I don't like, really holds this team together. Um, he was a big in a few of the games I watched. He wasn't playing the entire time. He, he did miss some games in there. But Hayward was just so solid, and Rudy Gobert is so solid. I just feel like this team is missing something, and it might be Derek Favors, who is horrendous most of the time. What did you think? Yeah, it's been a rough year for Favors because he's he's sort of he's got injured, then he was on a minutes limit. So it, I don't know how to judge Derek Favors. I guess is is the big thing for me, and I don't know if if he fits on this team because with with the new NBA, we talk about this pretty much with every team that we talk about, right? It's like this new NBA. Can you play Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert at the same time? I don't know if you can. And in that, in that sense, my first impression of this team is it kind of seemed like a, like a Memphis Grizzlies grit and grind 
you know, they're kind of zagging while everybody is zigging, you know what I mean? And they have these two big guys who they love that, you know, they love both big guys. Both guys are rim protectors. They can block shots. They rebound. Favors stretches the floor a little bit. Like he has a 17, 18 footer in his game. It's not really like the best part of his game. It's not like he's, you know, you throw it to him and you're very confident he's going to hit it. He can hit that shot though. Um, and, and I just don't know. I don't know if you can play those two guys at the same time. That was my first impression of this team. I'm also glad that you brought up these, these wing players because I have a question for you, and I think you've, you've kind of answered it in, in a roundabout way. Are we sure any of these guys are good, like Alec Burks, Rodney Hood, Dante Exum? Like, I like all of them. They seem like they have some stuff in their game that I like. I mean, Rodney Hood was sort of the guy that last year people were like, okay, this is going to be their starting shooting guard. This is going to be that wing guy that they've been looking for. He kind of separated himself from the bunch and he's been injured this season as well. And plus, I mean, I've watched some games this season. Like, he just throws real duds out there. Like, I'm talking like two for 13 from the floor and just, like, losing games for your team because, they, you know, you're getting all these shots and you're just not converting at all. Yeah, no, and and I agree. And to touch on the the Favors-Gobert thing, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Derek Favors is not a power forward by today's league standards. So it's almost right, as if center. you're you're running around with two centers out there. And I mean, Favors, he has, you know, I know a lot of people used to talk about his, his athleticism, but it's not the same kind of athleticism that you see from today's power forwards because today's power forwards have athleticism of small forwards because that's what they are. <laughs> and, you know, Favors is athletic, but he's athletic for a center, in my opinion. And he has the long arms. Right. And he, he has a little bit of a Andre Drummond build. But as you point out, he can shoot the shot, which which other centers can. I just think he would thrive somewhere else as the starting center because you're probably not talking anybody into – you're definitely not talking anybody into him over Gobert. So I think it's just where they can get value out of the guy. And he's still 25 years old. I don't think all hope is lost. I think there are still plenty of teams out there who would like to take a shot on him. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they really are. They're playing like – it's like if you play an RPG and you build like a tank character, this is what they've done. They have an, uh, a character in battle armor with an ax who just clobbers, and they, when they can't score points, they're in real trouble, as we saw against the Clippers. Yes. And, I mean, the advantage is that they are a defensive juggernaut. I think they are the best defensive team in the league currently, uh, points per game, you know, it's things like that, defensive rating. And so that is the advantage, I guess, to, to having, you know, these, these two guys and an they actually have, I mean, Gordon Hayward's an above-average defender. George Hill is an above-average defender. So they have a team just have, like, this rim protector that's basically saving everybody's ass, you know, all game. Uh, that's not this team. They have good wing defenders. They have good on-the-ball defenders and, and, and everything like that. So that's the advantage to, to having those two guys. But I, I just don't know if it's, if it's enough. I guess we're going to see because the other thing that's, that intrigues me about this team is, is it a team that's – built for the playoffs, you know, where the game slows down. I, d- I don't know. You know, they might be like one of these regular season teams, sort of like the Grizzlies, who, you know, back in the day, who finished the fifth seed or the fourth seed or the sixth seed. And then you get into the playoffs, and they're, and they're that team that nobody really wants to play. Well, yeah, I mean, and nobody is going to want to play them in the playoffs. I, I really have no doubt in my mind that they'll make the playoffs at this point. And, and it's going to be, they're going to be like a punch you in the mouth type of team. So I like the Grizzlies, like you were saying, I just think what they're going to need ultimately is a lot out of Gordon Hayward in the playoffs, because not you need to have defense, but you also 
in today's league need to have that guy where you can rely on to get you baskets. And if Hayward plays anything like he played in this stretch we watched, or, you know, we'll just say since February where he's averaging something like 25 and five rebounds a game, I know he was phenomenal over the stretch we watched. He had like three 30-point games. If they can get that out of him and they get their, you know, 13 and 13 out of Gobert, and they play the defense they've been playing. I, they really need George Hill. As much as I hate to admit it now, George Hill is, is really the engine, I think, that kind of cooks this team because not only does he have the know-how, he's just become a very good pro progressively. It's like he's just, you know, he wasn't the most talented player when he first came in the league, but he's just stayed in, worked hard, gotten better, and he plays both ends of the floor so well for Utah that I think he's really – maybe the piece that they would miss the most uh, besides Hayward. So I, I do think that this team is going to be a tough playoff draw uh, for whoever happens to deal with them, but they have to get the offense from Hayward late in the season and in the playoffs. Absolutely. The thing about George Hill is, is so there, there's two things for him. The, the bad thing about George Hill is he's always going to be the guy that, that got traded for Kawhi Leonard and he's never going to leave that <laughs> because everybody's going to look at Kawhi and, and everybody's going to be like, Oh wow. You know, you could have had Kawhi Leonard, and now you have George Hill. So, so basically, that that's that's going to like linger with him his entire career. And the other thing, and I swear, you know, and everybody, if you listen to the show, you know I love George Hill. Andy knows I love George Hill, and I mean this as a compliment. I think he is the most average point guard in the league. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you put George Hill on your team and you don't have a like an above average point guard, your team is going to be better because George Hill, like you're saying, is just solid. He's a pro. He's going to get you those seven assists. He's going to run that offense. He knows what he's doing. If you have, like, an above-average point guard, like a prolific point guard, and you put George Hill on your team, it's not going to be as good because he's not going to do anything extraordinary. You know, he's not going to be John Wall. He's not going to run on that, on that fast break and, and take over a game and get 12 straight points. He's not doing any of that stuff. So, like, if you're a team with a John Wall, with a Chris Paul, with you know, you, you really don't appreciate what you have, I think, as much. Because there's other teams like, uh, like Atlanta, I would say Atlanta. Like, if you replaced Dennis Schroeder with George Hill, I think Atlanta would be a better team because Dennis Schroeder, I think, is just in the in that category, you know, where he's a little below average to me, point guard wise. I mean, he's a good player, but if you put George Hill on the team, you're just going to have that stability and just that solidness from from George Hill, like you're discussing. And I just think he makes a team so much better by just being that kind of guy, that kind of guy that knows what he needs to do, knows his role on the team, and just performs it at, at a great level. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys. I mean, we see it every day. You watch it, you know, every every other season you see the same kind of guys. They bounce around from team to team, but they always seem to have a home, and they always seem to be in the rotation in the league. Uh, Charlie Villanueva was famously one of those players. They're, they're too good to not be on a team. They're too good not to get minutes on a team, but they're average players – you know, they're the bottom end sort of uh, 10 to 25-minute-a-game guys. But this, I think George Hill is the the peak of that. You know, he's – right. and again, not a diss. He's just so good at being an average player that he's really become an above-average player. I mean, you're talking 17.5 points a game. He doesn't really do the point guard position in the traditional sense where he's going to get you a lot of assists. I think he's only averaging like four a game. But he does take care of the basketball. 1.3 is the amount of turnovers he averages a game for his career. It's a little higher this year, 1.5. But I feel like that's phenomenal for a point guard to only get a little over like an assist and a half a game or a, a turnover and a half a game. Um, right. You know, he's only getting four assists, 
But he just does everything very well, and it's very clean. And his PR is like 20. If you would have told me George Hill would have a PR of 20, I'd laugh at you. Absolutely. And, and yet, that's what I like about it. I think George Hill is like the seventh man on the championship team. And, and uh, again, I mean that as a compliment. Like, I think if he played 20 minutes a game on your team and you, and you were a contender, like, you could win a championship with, with George Hill on your team. And I think uh, – I want to say he won a ring with one of those Spurs teams. He might not have. But, uh, again, I, I love George Hill. I guess that's what I'm saying. And so I think the elephant in the room question for this team, Andy, is – well, I actually have two. Can you win with Gordon Hayward as your number one option? I, I think that that's one question. And, two, is this the year that they finally make noise in the playoffs? Because I think the Utah Jazz have been this team for the last maybe two to three years where we're like, all right, this is the team. They're on their way. They're going to do this. You know, and then they, you know, they barely miss the playoffs. Or I don't think they've made the playoffs the last two years. And is this the year that they finally win a playoff series against, let's say, like, you know, right now, if the, you know, I, I, people always say, you know, if the season ended today, so if the season ended today, they'd play the Clippers in the seven-game series. Is this the year that they beat a team like the Clippers and make some noise? Uh, not judging by if you watch the game we saw the other night. But <laughs> yeah, where they scored 72 I, points. I do. Against, I might say not. I, I do think that I picked the Jazz to beat the Clippers. And I think part of that is is the strong defense, uh, which apparently the Clippers now play two as evidence to the 72 points Utah scored against them. I can't believe I'm making this argument since we saw that game. But, I, yeah, I think the Jazz would win. I think the defense is going to be there. And I also think that Hayward can be your best player. I think that the team needs to be right, and I think that Utah's close to that. I think Rudy Gobert is a perfect fit with a guy like Hayward. I love George Hill with a guy like Hayward because it gives Hayward opportunity to facilitate in the half-court offense. As we pointed out, Hill isn't necessarily that dish point guard all the time. I just think they need the other pieces around them to work a little better, and I'm going to keep talking about the bench. The bench has to show up in the playoffs. So I'm answering yes to both of those questions. The bench is, is really the big thing. Like, a guy like Joe Johnson has been a little disappointed, even though he, he bursted out in one of these games. I think first the, uh, uh, the Pelicans, he, he had, like, 25 or 30 points. Uh, so, you know, he bursted out a little bit. But still, you know, like, they really need – I don't know if they're a team that's, that's a buyer in, in this market at the trade deadline that's going to try and trade for, for a nice bench player, a nice wing, something like that. Um, but they really do. They, they need something. They, they definitely do need, need something off the bench if they're going to be able to compete. And I agree with you, though. I, I really like this, this Jazz team. I think they can win a playoff series. And I do think Gordon Hayward can be your best player. And I'll tell you this, the, the Jazz versus the Clippers would probably be one of my favorite series to watch in, in the playoffs if that were like the first, a first-round series. I would probably watch you know, all, all of those games where, even though I feel like that's sort of like an NBA TV series, I feel like they're going to get put on the back burner, but that would be a really intriguing series to me at two good teams going face to face, good defense, which is not something everybody likes. It's not as entertaining, but it's something I would definitely watch. I would love to see Gobert versus DeAndre Jordan. By the way, I need yep, to thank them was... both for leading my, my fantasy team with rebounds and blocks. Good to go guys. Yeah. I wish I had either one of them because rebounding is, I, I think my, my best center is uh Nerland's Noel. So uh, we're, we're not doing really well in the, uh, in the rebounding <laughs> department. So had him too. we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, we had some we have the trade deadline coming up, but we had a little shakeup, uh, you know, this this past week before the the whole trade deadline. There's always one trade, one or two trades before the actual deadline that kind of makes some noise. And this one involved Andy's Orlando Magic, 
the Orlando Magic traded Serge Ibaka after acquiring him in the offseason to the Toronto Raptors uh, for Terrence Ross and a first-round pick, this year's first-round pick of the Raptors, so obviously in the mid-20s, I would say. You know, the Raptors are the two or three seed in the East right now. Uh, Andy, what did you what do you think about the trade? Uh, we'll start with the Orlando side. We'll let you, we'll let you get get you know get get your frustration out a little bit. What did you think about it for the Orlando side trading Sergi Baca for for what they got back? Well, I think it's worth pointing out too that that first round draft pick is the worst pick between the Clippers and the Raptors. So they didn't even get the good one that's going to be in the twenties. Um, okay, I'm I'm not necessarily mad about the trade because. You know, I knew the Ibaka trade was coming. I wanted the Ibaka trade to happen. And that's really nothing against Surge. I really have quite enjoyed watching Surge in some spurts, which is crazy to me because I didn't really like him coming in. I think that his value is definitely higher than I really thought it was. I didn't necessarily enjoy watching what the Magic did. Uh, Terrible. It's going to continue to be terrible. But this trade, I think guy who actually plays the small forward position since they don't have any guys on the right. roster that do uh, except Hezonia who gets no minutes um, and you know I think Ross will actually play pretty well in Orlando being that he'll be a starter and he's probably he might be the best scorer I mean Evan Fournier really hasn't materialized the way they thought he would the way I thought he would oh, please, um, please, so please I, I'm not mad at that. Ross that don't tell Terrence Ross well, he's the, the best scorer on the team He's going to take 30 shots. The Magic will probably welcome him in with, like, a picture of his, like, 50-point game from that one time. So, I, you know, they're going to want him to shoot. And it's not necessarily the greatest. I am glad they got a little value out of Surge because I know that teams were probably talking to them on the phone like, look, he's not staying with you. I mean, there's never been a clearer case of this guy's not staying with you. And we also know that if he does stay with you, it's not even what you want. So teams really – junk first rounder was the most they could come up with. I'd hate to see some of the other deals that are being offered. I was hopeful that maybe they could have landed a guy like Otto Porter. That seemed like that was way out of the discussion. Um, I, I love the fit though for Toronto. I will tell you the thing that I am a little mad about with Orlando is the fact that now you've turned the 11th pick from last year, Victor Oladipo, and we'll even say Ursan Eliasova, even though I don't care, into Terrence Ross and a bad first rounder. So that you know, this is right. the this is the cost of Rob Hennigan's, you know, tragic, tragic, tragic history as the GM of the Orlando Magic. I mean, I was looking at like all the moves he's had since June of 2012 when he took over, and it's like heartbreaking. Like I need a box of puffs. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> so, I, I think you summarized like my feelings up perfectly. If if Serge Ibaka was on the Orlando Magic before this season, let's just say he was. Let's just say you were the OKC Thunder, right? And you just had Serge Ibaka and whatever. You would think, like, in the last year of his contract, this was a, a decent trade. Like, it's not terrible. You got a, a young player in Terrence Ross. You got a first-round pick for Serge Ibaka. What makes it a terrible trade is that you just acquired Serge Ibaka for about three more assets than what you just got back for him, and you played 50 games of meaningless basketball with him. So that yeah. is that is the problem. So – the problem is not not this trade. It's like you're saying the trade before it, where Sabonis seems like he's going to be a you know he could be a decent player. He's got some range. You know he he, he does some things on the floor. Well, and it guy. didn't even have to be Sabonis. It was the 11th pick. Right. They had you know I didn't love right. the guys there, but they were going to be better than the guys that are going to be there this year at 27. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, and of 
Oladipo obviously was one of your younger building pieces. So you gave up two really good assets, and I would say those two assets are both better than Terrence Ross and a first-round pick. Agreed. As far as Toronto goes, I love the, the fit with Serge Ibaka. They really needed a, a rim protector because Jonas Valanciunas is not a rim protector. Um, he is a turnstile on defense. And now you have Serge Ibaka, who, who can do basically take that onus off of, of Valanciunas. I don't know how often they're going to play together. You know, I don't know if, if it's kind of they go small with Serge Ibaka at the five and, and Valanciunas sits down. I, I think Valanciunas' future in Toronto is also a little shaky, so they might be just building more so for the future. Um, and, and, and long-term, they think Ibaka is going to be their answer at the five, that kind of thing. The only thing I don't like about the trade, and, th- and this is a really bad reason not to like the trade, is I really wanted them to trade for Paul Millsap. I felt like that was a, a home for Paul Millsap, and I felt like they could be a championship contender with Millsap, um, like could challenge Cleveland. And I still think that they're, they are a threat to Cleveland with Ibaka, but I just like the Millsap fit so much more that it kind of it, it makes me not like the Ibaka trade as much. You know, I like the trade too. Actually, I, I, I think I kind of love the trade. Um, I would have liked it for Washington a bit more. I think it made a little more sense to me. Um, but I think you can play Ibaka with Valanciunas, and I think Toronto knows that, and I think that was their angle because as bad as Orlando's defense looked and as bad as Ibaka looked sometimes on defense this year in Orlando, I don't really think it was his fault. I think it was because they were doing a lot of different things. Frank Vogels had like 409 different lineups. C.J. Watson has been starting at point guard. So these things are a problem. And I think (laughs) for Ibaka, when you're playing with like one second, you have Aaron Gordon and Vucevic on one side of you. The next second, it's uh, Jeff Green and Biombo, or it's Biombo and Gordon. And you're like, you know what? I'm sure Ibaka was just confused. I did see him a lot of times get matched up on smaller guys, say the small forward, and he does a good job in space with that. But I think there was so much confusion, confusion of all these like six, ten forwards running around at the same time that it was hard for anybody to really play flawless defense. And I think you'll find that Ibaka can play with Valanciunas because he can move and he is comfortable shooting the three or even deep twos more so than a guy like Favors, who we were talking about earlier. So I think it does work with your slower, less mobile guy like Valanciunas in there. And I mean, hey, for Serge Ibaka, this is just like memory foam mattress here. You're going to play with two guys who like to score the basketball. I think we've seen this story before. I hope he doesn't get mad, but I I do. I think they have a good chance at challenging Cleveland and, you know, even like a team like Boston, who seems very uh, powerful right now, another team who could have, you know, benefited from Serge Ibaka. But I do. I love it. I like the fit. I think Serge fits in on most teams. Yeah, that's a great point. The OKC Toronto sort of, you know, the two primary scorers and then Serge Ibaka just has to stand at the three-point line and, and just try and hit threes. Uh, that, that's a great point. The other thing that we need that we need to bring up, I'm surprised you didn't bring up uh, for Orlando is, we can finally see Aaron Gordon full-time at the power forward. I think that's probably the best part of the trade for, for, for the Orlando Magic. It's not even about Terrence Ross. It's that we can finally actually have Aaron Gordon play his proper position now. So, so that'll be nice. But they, don't even commit, they won't even commit to it yet. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like sickening. And I think, I mean, I'm just waiting for Frank Vogel to go all Scott Skiles from last year and just be like, uh, this roster, just, it's just, I'm not the right coach. And, you know, that loosely translates into this roster sucks, set it on fire. But, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I really – I've got to get off this uh, basketball reference page of Rob Hennigan's triumphant trades and moves. And yeah. Just, it's, he's like the guy who trade, started with a paperclip 
on like uh, eBay and ended up with a house. That story, everybody's heard that story. Traded, traded, traded. Well, like Vogel's the guy that started with the house, or not Vogel. Hennigan's the guy that started with the house and ended up with a paperclip at the end. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, we need to become like China and just like block that internet page from you so you, you can't go on it anymore. <laughs> so we are going to move on uh, to somewhere where the Orlando Magic won't be. Don't worry, the Nets won't be there. Yeah. The, the uh, All-Star All Star weekend, we will not have any participants. So um, I'm going to start with just each contest. We're going to go through a winner, go through who you think is going to win each contest, and then just who what you're looking forward to most for the whole weekend. So usually I don't do the skills challenge, but I'm very intrigued by the skills challenge this, this uh, year because we got some uh, interesting characters here. We got the guards, right, the small guys who you think would win, uh, Devin Booker, John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, and then I'll, I'll even throw Gordon Hayward in there as a wing player. And then we got some big guys, Andy. We got DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, who, who replaced Joel Embiid, who was supposed to be, and then Kristaps Porzingis. So who do you think is going to win the skills competition, uh, competition here? You know, I wanted to roll my man John Wall because I think he's sort of on a level when it comes to having the skills. But I feel like, right. to me, Isaiah Thomas has become this guy who, like, when the cameras are rolling and the, the more important something is or the more eyes on something, he's just like, nope, fire. Turns into flame, does whatever he wants. I'm going with the little man, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I'm going to steal your pick and go with John Wall because I just, uh, I don't know, I just think he's he's faster and, and he's just, He's amazing. He's John Wall. Um, I'm very intrigued by by Jokic, though. I want to see him. I'm 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 shocked he was a replacement and not in it already. Uh, Joel Embiid would have been obviously a great time to see on, on All Star Weekend just as a whole. But uh, I, I'm going to go with John Wall. So let's move on to the three point contest. Uh, we have Eric Gordon, Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, Wes Matthews, C.J. McCollum, Clay Thompson, who I believe is the defending champion, uh, Kemba Walker. And, oh, man, I didn't even know this was the last guy. Do you know who the last guy is? The Swaggy P. Swaggy P in the three-point contest. That's going to be a ball. Uh, who do you got winning the three-point contest here? Uh, I believe Clay is the runner-up from last year. And oh, uh, now, now, now that his boy threw him the bone and went home and he decided I ain't shooting anymore, it's Clay's. I'm giving it to Clay. Clay's going to win this thing, man. I'm pretty sure Clay beat Steph last year. I could be Are wrong. you sure? We'll have to check it out. Uh, I am going to go with – this is always a tough one for me because it's, it's all about the stroke. You know what I mean? It's, it's about – pause. It's about, like, who has the best, you know, not as much get up in their shot. And, you know, Swaggy P does have a pretty uh, – he doesn't use a lot his legs a lot in his shot. I, I will say that. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyrie. I think – I want to see a Kyrie-Clay showdown at the end. Uh, I think Kyrie's been in it a few times, so he has the experience without actually winning. So I'm going to go with Kyrie Irving for my, my three-point champion. And then we have the dunk contest. Uh, we got your boy. Oh, actually, I lied. Your boy Aaron Gordon's going to be there. I lied. There is a magic participant. Uh, we got Aaron Gordon, DeAndre Jordan, Glenn Robinson, and Derek Jones Jr., who, if you don't know him, it's okay because nobody else does either. Uh, who do you have winning the dunk contest? And who do you think will have the best dunk? Because that's not always the same thing. And real, quick, and real quick, you're right. Clay did win. I was looking at the asterisks for the runner-up from last year for other events like the dunk contest, and then it shows the asterisks here, but I do see it's for defending champion. I still go with Clay. Uh-huh. We need, like, somebody to fact-check us like they do on PTI because we're, uh, we're killing it today. <laughs> or, um, or I'm going with Eric. I'm going to go with uh, Aaron Gordon. I just feel like last year was so amazing, and he's the one shred of hope for Orlando representing the uh, all-star break that i got to pick him. I do worry, though, that he's not going to be able to come up with dunks as good as last year. 
And I think that'll count against him quite a bit if it's not quite as interesting, even if his dunks are good. So I think he does have a bit of a, a hill to climb up here. But just looking at the other guys, I, I, I mean, he better hope he wins. Right, absolutely. So I am also going with Aaron Gordon. But the thing is, is that I, if I'm Aaron Gordon, I'm scared of Derek Jones Jr. Because this guy plays in the D League, and all he probably does in practice is practice. His, he's been looking forward to this moment all season. So, like, Aaron Gordon has to, like, work on his jump shot. He's got to work on his post game. He's got to work on playing well with Serge Ibaka, even though he's gone now. This guy, Derek Jones, he doesn't got to do any of that. He's just like, all right, let me practice my dunk contest. These, these three dunks, I've been working on them for six months, and this is my moment. So that's why I would be scared of Derek Jones. That being said, I'm going with Aaron Gordon. DeAndre Jordan, big guys always disappoint in the dunk contest. Glenn Robinson, I have no opinion on you. Uh, I've seen Aaron Gordon do it time and again. But Derek Jones really is the sleeper for that reason. And really, yeah, he's absolutely going to cause some problems. I think Derrick Jones has, yeah. like, springs. He reminds me of Zach Levine when he jumps. It's crazy. Right. So what, what is the moment you're looking forward to most this, this uh, All-Star weekend? You know, I'm looking forward to – I'm honestly looking forward to the skills competition the most, which sounds crazy. But it's just such a cool mixture of the – you know, you have the bigs and then you have all these electric guards. But I, I'm, I'm hoping for the dunk contest the most because it was so good last year that I hope they're able to right. recreate. And I hope none of these guys come out there and try to get too gimmicky. If, you, if you're going to use props and, and do gimmick stuff, follow what Gordon did last year and do it correctly. Still make sure your dunks are good. None of that Paul George in the dark stuff. Yeah, so what I'm looking forward to is the four Warriors playing with, with Russell Westbrook, where when Steve Kerr talks about the lineup, what? Russ is like... Bro, what are you talking about, man? And I'm just sitting there like... Exception isn't very... Shut up and take my money! Because it's going to be a wonderful moment just watching Russell Westbrook play with them. Uh, that is our show for this week. Uh, Andy, we are trusting the process next week. We are watching the Philadelphia 76ers when they get back from the All-Star break. As long as Joel Embiid is playing, if he's not, we're going to discuss something else because we don't want to watch him otherwise. Uh, but that is the end of our show. We'll be with you next week to continue our journey around the NBA. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nino Brown, L like Landon Donovan, P like T Rose. But we will end as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams. Who once probably thought basketball is a lot like glass called the bar. Sometimes better pass without luck. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.